What is up, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I am, of course, Blake Pace. We're here sitting on Wednesday, June 13th. Hope you all are doing well. Thanks again for listening to the show. Um, you know, coming off a great episode on Monday, we talked a lot about the upcoming FIFA World Cup set to kick off on Friday. Um, you know, make sure to check out that a great interview with a good friend of mine, Noah Ziegler. Um, so make sure to check out that episode and all the episodes that came before. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we're talking about that isn't specifically dated. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, season previews for upcoming NFL teams. Um, you know, my thoughts on LeBron's free agency, which we'll even talk more about today. Um, and yeah, so just, you know, make sure to listen to this episode and then also, you know, check out some of the other stuff we've talked about in the first 10 episodes that came before this. This is the 11th episode of the Blake Pace podcast. And I love the direction we're going in. We've got more guests uh, set up in the future. Um, Noah's going to come back on, you know, and talk more of the World Cup as we approach, you know, the latter stages of it. Um, Yeah, you know, it's it's an exciting time for me. I'm really enjoying this. I enjoy being able to talk about sports um, to all of you listeners three times a week. And uh, I'm ready to keep things uh, keep things going. And of course, we're going to jump right into things um, with my favorite number 11s that I've gotten to watch. Uh, through my lifetime, um, and some of them, you know, have also just, you know, come across the past few years. Some guys go, you know, back into the early 2000s, you know, you know, capturing my heart as a young kid, but the three specifically have really just been guys over the last few years that I have just come to love. Um, the first, we're going to look at the NBA, and in my opinion, one of the more uh, underrated stars in the league, in my opinion, you know, he's the best two-way guard in the league. Many, you know, view him that way, but he is the third best player on his team. So, you know, it's tough to get that recognition and that fame. But that's Clay Alexander Thompson for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Number 11, a four-time All-Star, three-time NBA champion, two-time All-NBA. He was on the All-Rookie team in 2011-2012. You know, it's hard to even, you know, express what he brings to this Golden State team offensively and defensively. Um, You know, this league is filled with electric guards. um, And when, you know, Steph Curry, the guy he plays against or plays with up front, um, an undersized guy, not great defensively, Clay Thompson is always, you know, taking on those challenges and guarding, you know, some of the top guards across the league, um, some of the greater guards to ever play the game. And he's, you know, one of the best shutdown defenders in the league while also on the other side being a career 42.2% three-point shooter. Um, You know, even last season, he was up to 44% player efficiency rating on his career of 16.3, effective field goal percentage on his career of 55.0. He shoots great from the free throw line, 85.2%. Coming off a year where he averaged 20 points, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. It's actually interesting because, um, you know, People were saying that when he would come over, when when KD came to the Warriors, that everyone was going to, you know, take a hit, less shot opportunities. And of course, while that's true, Clay has still been able to get the job done. Um, you know, in the first season, um, in the last season that Golden State had without Kevin Durant, he averaged 22.1 points per game. It increased by 0.2 in KD's first year um, with the team, averaging 22.3. Of course, it regressed a little this past season to 20 points a game. Um, but still, you know, a, a career 19.2 points per game score. He's only 27 years old, um, really should be entering the prime of his career. And it's interesting, you know, to see where his um, career goes moving forward because, you know, maybe he's one of those guys that is okay being, you know, the third star on a team and, you know, wants to sit quietly, get his job done and uh, keep winning championships. I, you know, I certainly can't blame him for that, but maybe, you know, maybe he's got a little bit of ego in him. Maybe he wants to have his, you know, his own 
chapter um, without, you know, such a star-studded team. So it'll be interesting to see in Golden State kind of the deterioration of um, dynasties because that's always, you know, the more interesting part to me about dynasties is, you know, their their dominance and their, you know, rise to fame and their, you know, it's sustained dominance is always impressive to watch. But it's really interesting to see when dynasties fall apart. And, you know, is it because of ego, injuries, you know, there's a ton of factors that come into it. Um, you know, people not liking each other in the team, you know, disruptions in the locker room with the coaching staff, uh, you know, poor ownership can come into play with that. You know, of course, Golden State has some of the best, you know, coaching management players in the league, but it'll really be interesting in the next few years to see how this dynasty falls off its high horse. Um, and, you know, Clay Thompson may be the guy to jump ship and, you know, start that whole deterioration. But definitely, um, looking at his nicknames, Big Smokey, Killa Clay, the electrician, um, one of the hottest shooters in the league, one of the better defenders at the guard position, definitely worthy of being uh, my number one uh, guy I talk about wearing number 11. Uh, Moving on to the NFL, uh, this is, you know, my guy that, you know, over the last seven, eight seasons has amazed me at the wide receiver position, Um, 9,163 yards, only at the age of 28, I'm talking Atlanta uh, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones. Um, you know, if we want to look at specifics, what was, you know, the most amazing year of his career? Definitely 2015, where he caught 136 balls for 1,871 yards uh, to go along with eight touchdowns. That's not a career high. He did haul in 10 in uh, 2012 at the age of 23. Um, but, you know, Julio coming off of four straight years with over 1,400 receiving yards. Uh, 1409 in 2016, 1444, 2017, um, 1593 in 2014, and of course that big explosion, like I mentioned, in 2015 at the age of 26, 1871 yards, um, <laughs> including 116.9 yards a game. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the season, the catch percentage in 2013, 69.5, uh, 2015, 67%. The guy's amazing. He's a, he's a remarkable talent. Um, definitely, you know, it's funny, the wide receiver position is always those, um, drama filled, those egotistical wide receivers, you know, everyone wants to, you know, look at Odell, um, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, those guys are always outspoken throughout their careers. Really, you know, ego, they want the attention, me, me, me. Julio Jones is just a a quiet guy, goes in there, gets the job done, um, and is definitely a top three player at his position and definitely one of the all-time greats at the wide receiver position. Five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro uh, wide receiver talent, only 29 years old, um, you know, right in the prime of his career. Um, of course, NFL careers, you know, it's tough to keep going past, you know, I'd say that, you know, 32, 33 age, the only other wide receiver, you know, who has been able to do such a great job with that in recent history. Um, you look at the other number 11, Larry Fitzgerald, one of the most more trusty receivers in the league in Arizona, um, one of the all-time greats as well. Definitely <clears throat> a remarkable talent. Uh, the the third guy that I'm going to mention, and I, I said before, you know, this these were a few guys that kind of came on late um, into my favoritism. Um, we're looking at quarterback. We're looking at uh, Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know we've only gotten to see <clears throat> 29 games from him. But, you know, 18-11 record. Um, he's thrown already for 7,078 yards, 49 touchdowns to just uh, 21 interceptions, only a 2.0 interception percentage. Um, quarterback rating career of 88.8, including 101.9 last season before that torn ACL. He was, you know, the early MVP favorite, um, before that 
unfortunate um, ACL uh, and LCL um, injury against uh, the Los Angeles Rams, but he is expected to return to action against the Falcons in the uh, season opener for the Eagles um, and for the NFL season. So, you know, really kind of a quick recovery for Carson Wentz, you know, maybe be a little cautious about that. But when you got young age, young, young legs at the age of 25, um, hopefully he gets back into shape right away. I would love to see him come back next year in what may be, you know, an Eagles team that is even better than they were last year um, heading into the postseason. So those are my number 11s, a great list. You know, I said it on episode 10, we're really entering some of my favorite guys um, in this 11 through 18 range. There's some amazing talent, some of my favorite guys I get to watch. Um, just showing some love to uh, Frank Natilakina, Nick's rookie, where's number 11. Uh, he's definitely a project um, offensively. You know, defensively, a great guy, great wingspan, athletic, can defend the guard position, um, needs to work on his shot a little more. Uh, but, you know, the, the first round pick for the Knicks last year definitely has some time to grow into things. Um, but those are my 11s. And now we can move into uh, some of our longer discussions for the episode. So we're going to start things off, and for those of you who have been listening to uh, these episodes, these shows, um, over the last few weeks, you will know that I have established a Blake Pays podcast constitution stating just some things that I will always stand for um, as uh, as a podcast, you know, as, you know, when always keeping um, debates in mind or discussions, thoughts, I will always obtain to these, um, these set of laws that I have put into the Blake Pace podcast. And the first one was that I am a player's podcast. I am in full support of athletes and their decisions, um, you know, making the best decisions for their career. I believe that, um, you know, an athlete gets, you know, shit on by a lot of fans for uh, not just taking their the money that they're offered, shutting up, not speaking out on social injustices. I believe that they're given the platform um, to speak out on such, you know, circumstances. And I believe that they have the right to exercise their freedom of speech, stuff like that. But that also means that I also believe that athletes deserve to get paid. Um, I deserve that. I think that they deserve to do whatever actions they need to do to be um, <clears throat> compensated or to make sure their careers can be prolonged, that they can, you know, set themselves up financially, um, you know, so that for, you know, generations, their family can survive off of the earnings that they have made. Um, being in, you know, professional sports and um, a, a big list of names. You know, I want to give a huge thank you to uh, a bunch of guys. Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell, uh, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald, Cardinals running back David Johnson, Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones, Titans offensive tackler, tackle Taylor Lewan, Raiders linebacker Khalil Mack, and Seahawks safety Earl Thomas. Um, all of those players uh, did not show up to their team's mini camps um, and are holding out in um, recent, you know, light of their contract situations. They believe that they are not being paid enough um, for what they are worth. Um, they believe that their money is their guaranteed money is not enough, that their salary is not enough, and therefore they're not going to put their themselves out there on a field where they could get hurt um, and then you know further you know put their money in danger, their earnings, everything they've you know built their lives up for. Um, so I, you know, I just want to start off with a quick brief. Thank you to those individuals. Of course, um, I expect all of these guys to get deals. I mean, you, you look at the list, Le'Veon Bell, arguably, um, let, let's start with Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, arguably the best two running backs in football. 
Um, they are, you know, running back is one of the most underpaid positions in football. I expect they both get contracts by their respective teams. Um, if there was one that I believe was more likely, I'd go with the Cardinals um, because the Steelers situation with Le'Veon Bell, um, Le'Veon Bell has been very outspoken about his, um, his displeasure with the organization and how they've handled his uh, finances. So I believe both deals get done. They're top talents at the position. They'll definitely get paid elsewhere if they, you know, their teams do not, you know, give them better contracts. But um, I expect both of them to be reassigned. Then you look at, you know, Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald, um, the best defensive tackle in football. Him and Fletcher Cox are right up there one and two for me. Um, Aaron Donald is going to get paid by the Rams. The Rams are, uh, in my mind, one of the more progressive organizations in football, along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and I believe that they will work out a deal that is handsome enough to pay probably the best defensive player in football. <clears throat> Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones. A little bit of an in interesting situation because Julio went ghost um, on Twitter uh, earlier in the draft process, I believe, um, a couple months ago. And he, you know, deleted his Twitter bio that said he was a member of the Falcons, removed, you know, all Falcons related images um, from his profile. And then, of course, is not at minicamp. Um, the Falcons, of course, drafted Calvin Ridley out of Alabama um, with their first round pick. It's an interesting situation because Julio is not that outspoken guy. He is not going to, you know, Odell's whole situation, of course. Um, he has not come out there and been as outspoken about his contract situation, but he is not showing up to minicamp. Um, still, just like I said with Le'Veon, Aaron Donald, and David Johnson, Julio Jones is a top three player at his position. Um, up there with the likes of Antonio Brown and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I fully expect a deal to get done with them as well. Um, it's, you know, it, it's it's just the way it goes. Every year this happens. Um, we shouldn't be surprised. A majority of the guys end up getting their deals. Um, I just want to shine a light and give kind of thanks to some of these guys. Taylor Lewan as well, one of the best tackles in football. And of course, he'd like to be paid so. He looks at all these guys around the league um, who get that money. And he says, well, I want mine. And, you know, if you don't have any guaranteed money or not enough guaranteed money or like snaps the next day you're out on the field, all that money is just wiped away. Um, so, you know, Taylor won as well. And I want to go back to actually <clears throat> to Julio Jones for a second because I forgot my main point with Julio. It's interesting because Julio Jones um, is definitely underpaid for the position. I believe that, you know, a top three wide receiver um, definitely deserves to be I, I think the wide receiver position also needs to be paid more in general, along with the uh, running back position. Um, but it's interesting because Matt Ryan uh, is earning $30 million a year now. He's just given an extension this offseason. Um, I think I believe is currently the highest paid quarterback in all of football. And that's got to be pretty upsetting for Julio Jones. As a guy, I mentioned his stats earlier because this is episode number 11. I mentioned all of the, his numbers Um you know, four seasons in a row with over 1,400 receiving yards. Um, some would say that he's more valuable to the Falcons than Matt Ryan. Um, and then, you know, you look at the, the numbers when they line up and Matt Ryan's making double what Julio does. And I know the quarterback position is, you know, a little inflated um, <clears throat> just because of their value to the team. As I said, I believe it is the most important position in the football, in a, on a football roster. But, you know, for Julio Jones to be looking at Matt Ryan and, you know, Matt Ryan, his rank in the top quarterbacks, of course, I don't have him in my top five. I definitely think he is a top 10 to 12 quarterback, but you're talking a top three talent at the wide receiver position who's making less than half the money 
that Matt Ryan is. So I under I fully understand why he is sitting out. He looks at that guy and says, "Well, I, I'm catching all these balls that he's throwing. I'm making some incredible grabs." Um, you know, some could say that he does more for the team than Matt Ryan does on a day to day basis. Um, so I understand his situation. Going down the list, even uh, <clears throat> just finishing with these last two guys, Raiders uh, linebacker Khalil Mack, I believe is one of the freakiest athletes on a football field. Um, the Raiders are an interesting organization. <laughs> I think they've had probably the worst offseason in football. Um, I am not a fan of the John Gruden hiring. I think it, I mean, it has potential, but I think they're going to, they're in for a rough year or a rough two years before um, things start progressing. Um, and having probably the, the best player on your team um, holding out at minicamp, of course, I do believe all of these guys end up getting paid. Um, respectfully, um, what they deserve. Maybe, you know, we'll talk about this last one in just a second, but Khalil Mack, I expect to, he's one of the younger guys, a freak athlete. You don't find six foot five guys who run a sub two fifty or, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a sub four five, um, at the combine. He'll get paid. He's, you know, way too important to this team. The last guy is probably the more interesting, um, guy on this list. And that's Seahawks safety, Earl Thomas. And, the Seahawks are in a very interesting um, situation. Earl Thomas, of course, wants to, you know, have a, you know, more guaranteed money in his um, contract, just as all of these guys um, believes that he has contributed more, un- more than enough to this organization to be uh, compensated. Likewise, my only problem with Earl Thomas um, holding out and asking for more money is, you know, he's one of the guys that I think doesn't get at the end of the day a deal. Um, or get kind of the recognition that the guys before him, um, Le'Veon Bell, Aaron Donald, David Johnson, Julio Jones, Taylor Lewan, and Khalil Mack all get. And, you know, it's because of the just the awful situation that the Seahawks are in. Um, you know, they essentially have one of, aside from Russell Wilson, uh, Doug Baldwin, and some guys in the front seven on defense, they have probably one of the worst rosters in football. Um, it's, you know really old guys um you know that that super bowl run that they had they just overpaid everyone on the defense after that and then they had to extend russell wilson they got very tight on money um and you know they've they've lost a few guys you know they lost uh they had to get rid of uh, michael bennett they got rid of richard sherman earl thomas at the age of 29 um is asking for more money and you know frankly in my opinion when you're looking at the safeties across the league he's not really a top five guy anymore and I believe all these other guys that are holding out um, are top five talents at their position and Earl Thomas is approaching probably the the latter half of his career Um, and I you know I understand him wanting to sit out and I'm still going to respect him to, you know, do what he believes is right to get the money that, you know, can set him up financially for his future and the generations to go on after him to survive um, financially. But I don't know at the end of the day if he gets the money. He's, you know, the Seahawks, I believe, in my opinion, need to revamp the roster. They need to cut all loose ends with, you know, this Super Bowl team that they had built. They need to build around Russell Wilson. They need to build an offensive line, establish a run game. Um, get a younger secondary, a younger defense in general. Um, you know, maybe some of the coaching needs to be changed. Um, the offensive playbook, you know, has really seemed stagnant over the last few years. And it's basically Russell Wilson carrying this team. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm ready to tie up a lot of money or, you know, guaranteed money over the next, you know, four years 
into a safety um, <clears throat> who is 29 years old, um, entering the latter half of his career. Um, and of course, you know, no disrespect to Earl Thomas. I uh, truly, uh, I 100% support him sitting out. I just don't believe at the end of the day that a deal gets done. But, you know, all these other guys, undoubtedly top five at their position um, at, at most. In certain cases, they're the best or, you know, top two, top three at their position. I expect them to all get money, get paid. Um, and hopefully, you know, in the coming months, we see, you know, those contracts be handed out and the necessary compensation given out to these top athletes for what they contribute uh, on a football field on a day-to-day basis. All right, now we're going to switch gears to the uh, NBA for a little bit, and I will go back um, at the end of the episode, of course, to do another uh, season preview for an NFL team. Um, this week, it is the, or this episode, this Wednesday, it is the Buffalo Bills. Um, of course, they're one of the more, you know, interesting teams, really, when I looked at the landscape of the NFL next year. Um, you know, a team that was in the playoffs, rookie quarterback now, um, in my opinion, had one of the better drafts um, in football, great coaching staff, some nice pieces. Um, but of course, you know, they're playing in a division with the Patriots, um, and, you know, a rebuilding AFC East. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out for them. So make sure to stick um, to the end of this episode to hear, you know, where I believe the bills are going as the season approaches. But we're actually going to go to the NBA now. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the future um, of LeBron James, and I'm going to give you my top five rankings of where I believe LeBron James could end up um, after this free agency period. Um, Of course, you know, after a finals loss, you know, approaching, you know, his 16th year in the NBA, um, you know, I believe he is just trying to go... um, to a situation that is best for his career financially, um, best for his family. I I want to believe, and I and I really hope that LeBron is still focused on or like zoned in on winning championships. You know, building on his legacy even more. So of course he has said, I've heard him say recently, his legacy is cemented now. Um, and you know he he has had a remarkable career. He will go down as, in my opinion, um, is right now. Uh, the the most talented player to ever step on a basketball court is he the greatest no he doesn't get the wins um, that you know another constitution amendment of mine there's a difference between the greatest player of all time and the most talented Um, the greatest player doesn't have to be the best but you know has that winning um, charisma He, he he's just wins he's a winner you know the most talented guys may not be in the right situations to win or they lack that certain extra step that winning you know genetics um that those winning genes to get the job done but you know i still believe is a guy um who is the most talented to step on a on a basketball court and he has a very big free agency upon him um of course we all expect him to opt out of his current um player option and hit free agency and right now it seems as you know reports from espn brian winhorse um rachel nichols it's, it's all on the table he is you know really just gonna listen to ev- what everyone has to offer um he's gonna meet with as many teams as he feels possible um so i'm gonna give you a list uh from five to one where i believe lebron james is going to be headed next season um five being you know the least likely of the five but in my opinion still plausible because everything is on the table um and the number one what i believe is the most likely and then at the end i'll also give you a few dark horse teams and a few reasons why um, but here is my list for LeBron James entering into next season where I believe he will be suiting up. All right. So at number five, we head to Houston. Um, the Rockets, in my opinion, um, you know, who some thought, you know, as the regular season was approaching its end, maybe they were the favorites to land LeBron. Um, 
to me, there are too many issues with the Rockets to get LeBron to join Houston um, and, you know, Mike D'Antoni and that talented roster and them for, and them to still be able to keep that roster intact. Um, of course, they are really tight on money. Um, Chris Paul reportedly wants a Supermax contract. Um, so, you know, there's a decision to be made with Houston, you know, where they value Chris Paul's, you know, last season with Houston. Of course, you know, before that injury, they they had a 3-2 series lead on Golden State and, you know, a chance to make it to the NBA Finals and be the team to knock off, um, you know, what seems to be the current dynasty in the NBA. Um, do they want to bring him back? Do they want to pay him that much money as he's approaching the end of, you know, the definitely the tail years of his career. You also have to bring back Clint Capella, in my opinion, who is a restricted free agent. You know, I expect him to get some big time offers elsewhere. Um, you know, I can see the Mavericks put throwing out some money, the Hawks. Um, in my opinion, he's one of the up and coming centers of the league. Of course, he's not one of those centers like DeMarcus Cousins, um, who can, you know, take the ball out and shoot the three has good mid range game. He's a, he's a Deandre Jordan type of guy who is just going to, you know, run the pick and roll, get you some offensive rebounds, um, but definitely is deserving of some top money this offseason. And I believe a team is going to throw him some money, and he's a restricted free agent. So Houston will have to match that if they want to keep him. And when I look at the roster, you know, the center position is pretty scary for me if I don't have Clint Capella there. So I think they need to bring him back. So you have Clint Capella making an extraordinary, extraordinarily more greater amount of money than last season. You have Chris Paul trying to come back on a Supermax contract or get it elsewhere. And then you need to find room for LeBron James, all while paying James Harden uh, the richest contract um, currently, I believe, going forward the next few years or one of the most uh, rich contracts. So that alone creates some um, concerns for me as his likelihood of going to Houston. And then you also, you know, you have some guys who are also making some pretty big money. Ryan Anderson, you got to find a way to move that contract. And the problem with moving um, big contracts now is you need other pieces that can go with it. You need a young up and coming star or starter caliber player, or you need a top pick in the draft to make it work. Um, and right now the Rockets, they, they have to clear Ryan Anderson to, to have the money to try and make this work. And it's, it's going to be even, you know, extremely difficult, even if they do that. Um, but it's going to be extremely difficult to move Ryan Anderson um, you know, the Rockets, well, I do believe that would be an amazing team to watch. Of course, there are some concerns in my mind with who, you know, brings the ball up the court, you know, what, who's going to be, you know, this season's MVP and James Harden, Chris Paul, another ball dominant guy and LeBron James. I know Harden and Chris Paul got the job done, but then you throw in LeBron James, who is, you know, truly a point guard, um, at this point in his career, I believe he's one of the better point guards in NBA history, um, has some of the best vision passing ability you got to find a way to share the ball. I don't believe that Houston has uh, the money or the right fit for LeBron to join. Um, you know, but I still believe, you know, looking at the league, if they can get the job done, Houston has to consider that. Uh, they're my, you know, least likely of this top five, but I still think they have a shot at landing LeBron this offseason. Moving on to number four, we go to Philadelphia where the 76ers have a really interesting situation on their hands. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're out of contention for getting LeBron, but, you know, with the recent, you know, controversy at the GM position, you know, Colangelo is now out of there. Um, certainly is interesting if, they, you know, if they make a right hire and a guy um, that, you know, 
LeBron is familiar with or, you know, respects in this league, um, I believe that that's more likely. Um, I know LeBron will definitely visit with the 76ers. I think they have a lot to offer. Um, LeBron has shown a lot of interest in Ben Simmons' game. You know, he kind of sees, you know, a younger version of himself um, in Ben Simmons. Of course, they have, you know, a dominant center in Joel Embiid. And if you heard what I said, you know, weeks ago on how you should build a team around LeBron James, in my eyes, it's a bunch of shooters and a star center. You can run the pick and roll. Um, defenders are going to have to crash into the paint with a star center and LeBron charging the rim. And then you can kick it out to three great three and D guys. In my opinion, that's the best way to build a, a team around LeBron. Um, the 76ers, of course, will also put Ben Simmons out on the floor, which, of course, he's not a shooter. But, you know, if you put three guys who, you know, are forced to be reckoned with off the pick and roll um, in the paint, two 3 and D guys around him, um, Robert Covington, you know, if you bring back J.J. Redick, um, that could certainly be an interesting team, um, especially in a, in a up-and-coming Eastern Conference that seems to really be dominated of where LeBron is, the Boston Celtics, and the Philadelphia 76ers. My problem with this is I don't schematically believe that this is the direction LeBron will go in. I do believe that he might be ready to take on that mentor role. And if he does that, Philadelphia is a great place. He could build, you know, kind of the next king in Ben Simmons. Um, but, you know, bringing the ball up the court is going to be really interesting in Philadelphia because Ben Simmons can't shoot. So I feel like he needs to hold on to the ball for a majority of the possession. You know, the, the offense needs to run through him at the point. He's a great passer. He has great vision, great off the pick and roll, um, but doesn't have a mid-range game, can't shoot. And that's why I don't think he'll he'll work well off the ball. But LeBron James is LeBron James, the greatest player, most talented player to play football, uh, basketball. He is essentially a point guard. He needs to bring the ball up. Of course, he is a better shooter than Ben Simmons by a lot. Um, but I still believe LeBron's in a point of his career where he's the primary ball handler. And I don't know if Ben Simmons can work off ball. I don't like the fit schematically. I do understand why LeBron would go if he chooses to enter that mentor phase um, and, you know, build, you know, help build up this up and coming team with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But, you know, given their uncertainty at the GM position and schematically fitting with Ben Simmons on the court together, I just don't see it working. Of course, I like the rods better than Houston. You know, they have more um, cap space to make things work. They do have younger stars, up and coming stars that have proven themselves this season. Of course, so do the Rockets. Um, but it's easier to make things work in Philadelphia to move players around, move pieces around that it is in Houston. I like the Rods better than the Rockets, but they're still just my fourth favorite landing spot for LeBron James as we head to this offseason. Number three, and this is a late riser, um, in my opinion, as we approach free agency for LeBron. And it's the other up-and-coming team, the team that took him to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Boston Celtics. Um, I think our third most likely landing or the third most likely landing spot for LeBron James this offseason. And it's all become um, possible, I believe, over this certain uh, Kyrie Irving situation that Boston finds himself in. Kyrie Irving is not ready to commit to a Supermax, and I don't blame him for that. I believe he should play out his contract if he seems fit and, you know, explore free agency next offseason. Of course, he's never really had um, a free agency period in his career. And, you know, some players just want to experience that for the first time. And I believe that's where Kyrie's at. Um, but there are also rumors that he wants to jump ship to New York, um, and join the Knicks. 
just a side note, I'm not going to complain about that at all. I would love Kyrie Irving and Porzingis off the pick and roll. So let's make this happen. Um, but you know, if I'm, if I'm LeBron James and I'm looking at the landscape of the NBA, you've got top two coach in the league and Brad Stevens, you've got probably the best, uh, management. Um, you know, Danny Ainge has done a tremendous job over his lengthy career, you have a young roster with some great stars, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. You've got a guy in Al Horford who's been there, who's been around the NBA. Of course, he's getting a little up there in age. Um, so, you know, I would like to see the Celtics try and move for someone, you know, at the center position to upgrade, um, as I believe Al Horford is going to steadily decline over the next few seasons. Um, and then you've got guards like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. My only thing with the Celtics is that if you're bringing in LeBron James, you're going to have to move Kyrie Irving. He is, you know, Kyrie Irving is, you know, made it clear, I think, at this point in his career that he doesn't want to play with LeBron. He left Cleveland kind of because he wanted to be the guy. He didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow. If you bring LeBron in, you just infuriate Kyrie more, and you got, so I believe that you have to move Kyrie. So in my mind, you know, to make the money work also with Boston, because Boston, you know, is going to be in a tight financial situation, given having Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving on the books, um, Marcus Smart's restricted free agent. They have to work out the money somehow. So in my eyes, I see a potential three-team trade here. And it's where LeBron signs with the Cavaliers, but then is traded um, to the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics trade Kyrie Irving to the New York Knicks, and the Knicks send, you know, players, and, you know, their first-round pick, pick eight, would go to the Cavs. Um, and, you know, got to make the money work, so players um, would also be scrambled around in that. But the big highlight of the trade, eighth overall pick to, or the ninth overall pick to Cleveland, uh, LeBron James to the Celtics, Kyrie Irving to the Knicks. And in my eyes, that that's a great situation, um, for LeBron because he can truly be the point guard in Boston. You know, when he was in Cleveland with Kyrie, Kyrie was a point, was the point guard. He brought the ball up. Um, of course he worked well off ball, but you know, he was still a point guard. LeBron James on that team. You look at Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, they're all guys that can, you know, go out in space and create their own shot. But LeBron James can also find the open guy. They don't need the ball in their hands to get their shot going. <clears throat> I really think that the Celtics need to be taken seriously this offseason. I know, you know, they <laughs> went seven games and were, you know, one game away. But if you can Lebr get LeBron James, you got to bring him in. I believe this is the up-and-coming franchise in the NBA. Um, and if you have, you know, LeBron James, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, you know, Al Horford, um, it really gets into that positionless basketball if you look at it. And, you know, you've got guys in Golden State, Steph, uh, Clay, Kevin Durant, Draymond. They're playing kind of positionless basketball. Um, Draymond at undersized power forward. Kevin Durant, oversized small forward. Uh, Clay Thompson, a tall shooting guard. Steph Curry, undersized point guard. They really are getting into that positionless basketball. And I think, you know, the Celtics... Um, given the defensive identity that Brad Stevens presents could be a real threat to Golden State next year if they have a lineup like that. Don't uh, don't get rid of the Celtics in consideration for LeBron this offseason. I think they have the third most likely shot behind these two other teams I'm about to mention. Number two, and this is something that I said a few weeks ago that I think is you know still very likely, I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, if I'm the Cavs, you know, they're in a very tight financial situation. You've got bad contracts all up and down the roster. You know, in my opinion, Kevin Love is still overpaid. I, I get it. He's a star player, but he works best as the number one option on a team where you can work, you know, inside the post, kind of like what you saw with Carmelo in his, you know, prime. 
um, in Denver, some of his years in Knicks. He needs to work as the primary ball handler. He needs to be in a rhythm consistently. Um, he doesn't work as a star alongside LeBron James. So you can move that contract. Tristan Thompson, in my opinion, is overpaid as well. He doesn't do much offensively, can only work around the rim, and his offensive rebounding skills have also declined. J.R. Smith, of course, has consistently uh, declined over the past few years. He's, you know, more cold than he is hot now. Um, you know, that's a tough contract to move. George Hill as well, one of the older guys, you know, was, you know, decent in the finals, in the playoffs um, for Cleveland, but, you know, making too much money, in my opinion. It's a really poor situation financially, but <clears throat> compared to, you know, the Rockets, where the Rockets have a really tough situ situation financially, the Cavaliers have something that Houston doesn't, and that's a top 10 pick. And when you have a top 10 pick in a draft, you can send a bad contract along with that pick to free up cap space. So I believe that there's a trade out there for Kevin Love. I believe that you can get, you know, pieces for Kevin Love. You send him to another situation, a team with cap space who wants to send maybe one of their younger stars or whatever it is, maybe another aging star that LeBron wants to play with. Um, and a guy that fits better than I believe Kevin Love does. So I believe you can move Kevin Love's salary. I believe that's the direction you should go in. Um, and then I believe you got to move one of these other bad contracts, whether it's J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson, with that number eight pick. Um, you know, people like this draft, and I believe that there's a good stretch of you know eight guys that I would take in the eight, in the top eight and be confident in their um, in what they're gonna do in the NBA. So if I'm a team and I'm looking to add another first round pick. I'll take a J.R. Smith contract. I'll take a George Hill or a Tristan Thompson if I can get one of those top eight guys that I believe could be a star in the league. So then you free up some more money. You clear Kevin Love's big contract. Say you clear J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson, George Hill. Now you're ready for free agency at a different standpoint than you were, you know, a few weeks ago, a few moves ago. Um, the only problem with it is that if, if the Cavs are going to trade away that eighth eighth pick to free up room, they have to know LeBron is committing. They have to know before the NBA draft that LeBron is going to stay with the Cavs because if not, you're trading away to free up that space, you're getting rid of your top 10 pick, and then if LeBron leaves, you're screwed. So you need prior commitment from LeBron James that he is going to stay before you can feel comfortable moving that eighth pick because honestly... If I don't have if I don't have you know a uh, you know sign written agreement that LeBron James is going to stay or he hasn't spoken to me and said I will stay let's free up the room and get rid of that eighth pick LeBron you know the Cavs don't owe it to LeBron to wait on him and then ruin you know even more of their future than they already have because of his decision so Cavaliers I really think they have a great shot to keep LeBron you know LeBron really cares about you know Ohio Cleveland where he's grown up, it, it means a lot for him to finish out and do some more, have some more years in his hometown in Cleveland. He has so much tied up in there. Um, I believe that they have, you know, the second best shot um, in the NBA to keep LeBron next season. They got to make the moves, but I'm not trading away that eighth pick if I don't know that LeBron is coming back. If so, I could see them trading away that pick. And in my eyes, you got to bring in a top center. And, you know, if, if you're trading away Tristan Thompson and that eighth pick, you got room and you move Kevin Love, you got room for DeMarcus Cousins. You got room for some of these other top free agents. There's, you know, a, like I said, LeBron James and a dominant center with shooters around him would be amazing. And, you know, I think that there is a chance that that could happen. Um, there are some other names out there that you have to consider, you know, if they even wanted to bring in a Clint Capella, um, throw some money his way. Once you have the cap space, it's more likely that LeBron will join you. Um, if the Cavs can shred the Kevin Love contract, I believe he holds value still in the NBA. And you can 
tag along the eighth overall pick with some of these um, big contracts, I believe that you can bring another star in, keep LeBron, and build forward um, in the Eastern Conference. All that said, but my number one possibility, my number one destination, my final pick, and I'm sticking to this because I know I said a couple weeks ago, my favorite is, you know, Cleveland. Now, as of now, June 13th, my favorite um, destination where I think is most likely that the LeBron James will play next season is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I, I just think at this point, it makes too much sense, uh, too much sense for LA um, and LeBron. And, it, you know, specifically since Magic Johnson said, came out and said that, you know, no one is untouchable on this team. They're already ready to move on from the ball family. And, you know, I haven't, I've refrained, you know, we're 11 episodes in and I haven't mentioned, you know, LeVar or Lonzo Ball. So hats off to that, but we got to talk about it a little now that it's a distraction. If you're talking about LiAngelo Ball, he's going to be a Laker. If you come out on Fox News or <clears throat> Fox Sports and you say, uh, Lonzo Ball is going to play for a team that lets his other brothers play on the same team. If I'm Magic Johnson, I'm, I'm already looking at trade offers for Lonzo Ball. I'm ready to move him. I just think that at this point, LeBron <clears throat> is ready to move into that mogul phase. And if he goes to LA, it's the perfect destination. You know, he's got ties in with, you know, major media companies, um, production companies in Los Angeles. I'm not sure if this rumor is true, but I have heard that his son is enrolled to play basketball at a high school in Los Angeles next year. Um, I, I haven't confirmed that, but that's what I've heard. And, it, you know, that's pretty telling as well to me. Um, and if they, if really no one is untouchable, they can clear that money easily. Because just like I said, as you can move a top 10 pick um, and, you know, move an expiring or a, or a large contract with it, you can send a young star along with a large contract and free up some space. If you send Luau Dang and Lonzo Ball in the same deal, you're giving that team, a, you know, a, a future star in the league. And you're also giving them a fat contract that they're just going to sit on for a while. And then that opens up the cap space in LA. Um, of course, you know, LeBron, I'm assuming, will team up with Paul George. Um, I believe that, you know, if he goes to LA, Paul George will 100% go to LA. If I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at it and I say, well, I can bring in the best player in the league. And I know that if the best player in the league comes to join, I'll also get another superstar in the league in Paul George, you know, a top guy at his position. And there, there we go. We're already in a better spot than we were, you know, at last year's draft when we took Lonzo Ball. And then there's, you know, a few other things to, you know, quietly look at. <clears throat> and, you know, this is a guy that I thought, you know, a couple of years ago was going to head to the Lakers. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was where he went. Because now we got to look at where we're moving Lonzo. And if we're moving Lonzo Ball and we're putting Luau Deng's contract on him or another guy's big contract on him, I'm looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because if Paul George leaves... Uh, the Thunder. It's now, you know, the second star to leave Russell Westbrook. Um, but if you send Lonzo Ball a first round pick, um, a, a lottery pick in this draft and, you know, a big contract, I think that there's something that could be said to getting Russell Westbrook in the in Los Angeles. You know, he played at UCLA. Um, there were ties, you know, years before that he was interested in playing for the Lakers. <clears throat> and then you've kind of got the anti- Warriors team in Los Angeles, you know, in the Western Conference trying to take down Golden State. You know, you've got LeBron who's lost to them three out of the last four years. You've got Russell Westbrook who, you know, doesn't get along with KD anymore because KD jumped ship to Golden State. Paul George, another guy who is, you know, time and time again tried to make that step to, you know, a finals appearance, Eastern Conference finals a couple times. 
but you know has never really made it to the finals and now you've got this team headed with you know last year's mvp four-time mvp in lebron james paul george a superstar at, the posi- at his position that's a team that really excites me going into next season as you know a threat to warriors and in the western conference um and I know that that's a long shot. I know that it would be extremely tough for uh, the for the Thunder to give up Russell Westbrook. And I'm also not sure about the fit because you know, like you know, it's been said for the past few years, players don't do <clears throat> that well when they join or when they you know play alongside Russell Westbrook. You know, he's got tunnel vision. People are critical about you know his ability to make teammates around him better. You know, passing the ball, getting other shooters going. Um, you know, Paul George did regress a little bit this year offensively. He was still great defensively, but numbers tend to go down when you're playing um, with Russell Westbrook. I also don't know how Russell Westbrook would play off the ball. So, you know, you look at that, I would love to see a team like that. You know, it, it's really the anti-Warriors team. It's the anti-Golden State team. Um, it's like the good guys. It's it's the Avengers assembling to take down the Warriors um, in LeBron James, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. But it's tough to make me think that that would work to be able to get Russell in there. The fit, um, I'm not sure how that would go. So maybe there's another move where you send Lonzo Ball, a first-round pick, and Luau Deng's contract for another star elsewhere. Um, Maybe a big man because you've already got two forwards there and LeBron is essentially going to be the point guard for whatever team he goes to. Maybe try and get a center. Maybe, you know, like I said, a sign-and-trade situation um, with DeMarcus Cousins. Um, he has also been linked to the Lakers over the last few years. So then you're looking at Paul George, LeBron, DeMarcus Cousins. That's an interesting team, certainly. Um, I believe that there are so many reasons that make sense for LeBron to go to the Lakers that it's it's my pick right now. And until, you know, the Lakers or, you know, say that they're not meeting with LeBron or LeBron says I'm not going to L.A., that I won't believe it. Um, but those are my top five. And just real quick, I've got three other teams that are kind of just dark horses to me. Um, first off with the Spurs, you know, there's not a coach that gets more respect from LeBron James than Greg Popovich. Um, of course, their work on the national team. Pop is, you know, an all-time great coach, definitely a top uh, two coach, in my opinion, of all time. And, you know, LeBron James might want to play under Pop for a few years and, you know, end his career with a great coach like that. Um, he has coached, you know, with worked with Eric Spolstra, but working with an all-time great coach, um, definitely something that should entice him. Also, you get to play with, you know, one of the best two-way players in the league, Kawhi Leonard, should he come back. A few older guys on the roster, so, you know, the team I don't think would be that electric. It'd kind of be like playing kind of with this aged-down Cavs team last year, but you have Kawhi Leonard, so who knows the possibilities and better coaching. Um, so the Spurs, you know, I'm still keeping my eyes on another team and don't, you know, hate me for it, but the New York Knicks, I have to give some consideration and there's a few reasons. Dave Fisdale, he has, you know, he worked with LeBron in Miami. They really got along. They're a great connection. LeBron has spoken vocally about, you know, his praise for, um, him as a head coach. He has also said that he's the king of New York. Um, there was a post on Instagram earlier this year at Madison Square Garden. He says, I'm the king of New York. Um, and, you know, Ennis Cantor has been all over social media saying, well, if you want to prove that you're, you know, the the king of New York, come join the Knicks. Um, you know, a, a connection with the head coach, um, playing with, you know, a star center. Like I said, if you can put him around with a star center and three shooters, I think that's the best recipe for success. You put him with an all-star talent like Kristaps Porzingis, um, at the center position, pick and roll would be amazing. Look, Kristaps can also shoot, you know, a 40% clip from three great defensively. Um, you have to work out some of the money. Joe Kim Noah's contract is tough. Tim Hardaway's is also a little rough, 
But, you know, the Knicks have a top 10 pick. Maybe they could move one of those if they know LeBron is coming in. I don't believe it's that. It, it is a long shot, but it's definitely one of my dark horse teams. And then the last one is the Clippers. And, um, you know, he still gets to move to L.A. You know, he gets to play with a, an all-star center in DeAndre Jordan. <clears throat> he gets a great coach in Doc Rivers. Uh, I've been critical of Doc Rivers as, uh, you know, general manager um, as he was before. Um with the Clippers, but you know, just head coach. Now he can focus on that. Um, I like I like Avery Bradley as a two way guard. Um, Tobias Harris had a good season. DeAndre Jordan. Um, if I'm LeBron James, I look. I get to be the point guard there as well. Lou Williams is also a great shooter. A nice coach that I respect in Doc Rivers. You get to still go out to L. A. Um, and you get to play with a dominant center. So those are my three dark horses. Of course, the top five that I think is most likely, number five, I have the Houston Rockets. Number four, the Philadelphia 76ers. Three, a latecomer for me, the Boston Celtics. I believe that there is something to be said about his connection to Boston this offseason. Number two, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe that, you know, there is a way to make that roster much more better than it already currently is. And number one, the Lakers. It just makes too much sense for me to not have them as my favorite going into this offseason. But those are my top five destinations for LeBron James, including those dark horses as we approach the draft, free agency, the NBA offseason in the coming weeks. So now that all of that talk is out of the way, we're going to go to our last subject for the day, and we're going to preview the upcoming season for the Buffalo Bills. Um, of course, the Bills had a, you know, a much better season last year than I thought they would. I thought, you know, new head coach, um, really, he got rid of a lot of pieces on the roster, trading away Sammy Watkins, uh, Marcel Darius, to name a few guys. Um, I really thought that they were going to have, you know, a year... Um, along the likes of, you know, the Jets and the Dolphins in the bottom of the AFC. But they turned out, had a much better year, made the playoffs, um, had a really ugly game in the playoffs to watch against the Jaguars, almost beat them. Um, of course, they had Nathan Peterman coming at the end of that. It was a it was a hard game to watch, but they had a really good season um, in, you know, the first year of this new regime, and they had, a, in my opinion, a great offseason. I thought they had one of the better drafts, specifically, um, in the first round, getting my favorite quarterback of the draft in Josh Allen. They also got, you know, my top linebacker and one of my top defensive guys, Tremaine Edmonds, um, in the in the teens. He's a young guy. Of course, he's a project to work on, 19 years old. But I really think he has the ability to be one of the best interior linebackers if we look, you know, six to seven years down the road. So now we got the Bills going into this upcoming season. Um and, you know, it's it's going to be tough. You play in a division with the New England Patriots. Of course, the Jets are improving. I think the Dolphins are getting worse. Um, but I see the Bills replicating the success that they built on last year. And I believe that they're going to go 9-7. and seven. Now, this isn't much of a better record as they had last year. But I also think that comes into, you know, playing a little with a rookie quarterback. I'll go out and say this right now. I fully expect Josh Allen to be the starty, starter over A.J. McCarron. You know, A.J., I believe, maybe has starter potential on another organization. But Josh Allen, my favorite guy of this draft, is an electric thrower. And, and you know, going into the first discussion, um, I think he's going to lead the Bills to a 9-7 and record. AFC East, I think they'll play second behind the New England Patriots. But they still make the playoffs as a wildcard team. They get that sixth spot. I believe, you know, it's, nece it's not necessarily um, a greater improvement from last year. But it's still in that same range. Um, and I believe it's really something to build off of because you did have an experienced quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Of course, there was the whole benching fiasco. Um, Nathan Peterman came in and threw what, five or six interceptions in one game. Um, and then they went back to Tyrod, but Tyrod's out. Josh Allen is in and he's really impressing players all up and down the roster. And I don't understand how he couldn't. He's, you know, a freak athlete works well in cold weather. I think they'll really love him in the winter time. He's got big hands, 
big body, um, and I believe he's really athletic, and I, you know, I really think he's going to have a great career in Buffalo. I'm excited to see um, where the Bills come out of this, you know, a few years down the road. Um, so, you know, I, I have a playoff team, you know, the Buffalo Bills. This is actually out of the four teams we've discussed, the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Ravens, and now the Bills. The Bills are the only team so far that I have placing in the playoffs um, into the postseason. I believe they get that sixth seed in the AFC. Um, they place second in their division, of course. You know, no one's going to be surprised, but I have the, the Patriots finishing first in the AFC East, if that doesn't surprise you. But team MVP, I'm going Josh Allen. I really believe he has a tr- he's going to have a ter- terrific season and may even be, you know, rookie of the year caliber type of year. Um, of course, it's going to be tough when you've got, you know, another freak athlete and, you know, Saquon Barkley for the Giants, um, you know, the number two overall pick. You know, he's going to have a tremendous year, in my opinion. But Josh Allen, I think, will have the best year um, coming up out of these rookie quarterbacks. Um, and that says a lot. Um, and, you know, six, the when the team wins, a quarterback season looks a lot better. Um, and, and, you know, if Josh Allen can get them above 500 into the playoffs, he's the team MVP. Um, going to fantasy player, the only reason I don't have Josh Allen here is because I'm a little worried about the interceptions. Um, of course, that was an issue, you know, in high school, um, in uh, college as well. The completion percentage was a little off. Um, interceptions were a little scary. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a rookie season for an NFL quarterback. He's playing, you know, for the first year against NFL caliber defensive backs in every single game. I expect, you know, all of these rookie quarterbacks to have, you know, pretty rough years, but you know, I still believe, um, that he'll be the team MVP just because of what he can do offensively. And, you know, has a tremendous arm. The fantasy player for me is LaShawn McCoy. I don't care how old he's getting. Um, you know, I still am a fan of the Bills offensive line. And if I'm still in Buffalo, I'm running the ball a hell of a lot in the winter. Um, and LaShawn McCoy is going to get those touches, you know, until he stops being, you know, that feature back for Buffalo that he's been. And, you know, in Philadelphia before, I'm not going to bet against him. Um, LaShawn McCoy to me is, you know, the team fantasy player to look at in your fantasy drafts. Rookie of the year, of course, if he's my MVP, he's got to be my rookie of the year. I'm going Josh Allen. And, you know, this is a great rookie class. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone else took this claim, um, you know, if I was, you know, to give it out to, a, you know, give a second guy um, just so I didn't mention Josh Allen twice. But at the end, I truly believe Josh Allen um, <clears throat> will have, you know, the best season of these rookie quarterbacks. Of course, you know, getting to the playoffs in your rookie year is a tremendous feat. Um, I have a lot of expectations for the Buffalo Bills and specifically Josh Allen. Um, so that'll re- just to recap the team, the Buffalo Bills believe that they, you know, build in their second year um, of a, you know, new coaching, you know, uh, led team. It's, you know, a lot better than what we had before with Rex Ryan, um, nine and seven finishing second in the AFC East. I believe that they will finish sixth in the AFC and make the playoffs team MVP rookie Josh Allen. I think he's just going to be so creative on offense. He can move in and outside the pocket. Um, he's athletic. He's got a big arm. He's built for winter. I love him as, you know, the best rookie quarterback of this class. I think he'll have of this class, you know, the best NFL career. He's my team MVP for them in his rookie year. Fantasy player otherwise, I'm going LaShawn McCoy. He's a trusty running back. Um, Josh Allen isn't there because I believe, you know, the interceptions, completion percentage, it's not going to be pretty at times. Whereas LaShawn McCoy, I think you're going to get pretty consistent play out of him, especially when, you know, the passing game complements what Shady can do a little bit more than it has in the past years. And then rookie of the year, 
all the stuff I said about Josh Allen still, you know, plays the same. I think he's going to be great. I think the Bills are going to be, you know, a team that surprises people. They were a team that surprised me last year. And, you know, I can't wait to see the future of Josh Allen's career um, in Buffalo. So that recaps them. We've now been through four teams, and that is the Arizona Cardinals, the Atlanta Falcons, the Baltimore Ravens, and today the Buffalo Bills. Of course, if you want to hear the previews for those other teams and you haven't checked out previous episodes, certainly go back and listen to those. On Friday, we will preview the Carolina Panthers. I'm going back, switching over to the NFC after two teams in a row in the AFC. And we'll talk about Cam Newton and the Panthers on Friday. And with all that said, we are approaching the end of this episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I hope you enjoyed all the discussions that we had. Of course, as always, you can find me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. You can send me an email at BlakeAndrewPace at gmail.com. I appreciate the continuous support. Leave me, you know, a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave a comment. Um, You know, hit me up. Let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, where I can improve. Uh, we got big things coming, some more guests in the next coming episodes. I really love where this podcast is going, and I can't wait to uh, you know approach the NFL season. The NBA offseason is just right approaching us. The draft, free agency, we'll have you all covered throughout that. And, of course, as we get later into the season, we'll talk more about baseball. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you on Friday.